is up everybody my name is james d fury and this is blackballed i i have a lot of examples in in the in my friend circle and my social circle of people who adapted well um when when the industry that they were in transformed or changed or got modified and i always they it always fascinates me because uh, you know there's people, there's two types of people. There's people that just want to hang on to stuff. And there's people that kind of like go with the flow. Um, and my guest today, uh, to me is one of those people that just goes with the flow and, uh, he does it really well. Um, he is also a voiceover coach. He's a entrepreneur. And what I referred to yesterday, I believe as the Jedi Knight of podcast developers. And his name is Matt Kundal. Matt, buddy, how you doing? I'm doing well. You, thanks for having me. I put podcast wizard, but I also would put podcast Jedi Knight. That would work too. Yeah, Jedi Knight. You look more like a Jedi than a wizard. You know, it's beard. Yeah, so, you know, it's, just it's, it's well. Listen, I, I before we get into beards, um, I wanted to make sure that the first question was the more the most important, as at least as I see it. Um, something that we both can kind of like talk about. Um, we both went bald at 23. What Where are we? Are we a protected species now? Like, what? How does this work? How did you know that? Like, right at twenty three, because that's about the age that it happened. I try. I'm trying to. Ch you know how I, I'm trying to channel my inner Nardwar. Mm -hmm. I, I find. I think Nardwar is the most fascinating interviewer our country has ever produced. Like, he's a, he's just in his own category, and um, his research. Like, I I I think there could be a whole show on how Nardwar researches. <laughs> no. I feel like he calls the like like the the guest is in bed with his wife and the wife's like yeah, I, I can no he like he he slept with my sister that's right like you know it's a, he's getting all of this inside information from friends and family and then convinces them not to spill the beans like it's I've never seen anything like it an awful lot of testosterone is you know really what causes this up here also causes too much of this right here yeah so I uh, I. Full disclosure, I, I tried shaving my body hair for the first time a couple days ago, um, and it was really weird. <laughs> that I'm is Italian. I'm Italian. I had chest hair since I was like 10, you know, so this is like 35 years. I'm like, I felt like I was in grade six. It was weird. I didn't like it. Um, listen, tell us what Sound Off Media is. That I want to know um, where it came from and if my description was apt of you of, of sort of adapting from traditional media to, to podcasting. Yeah, so you you were talking about the transformation or the adaptability. Yeah. And so it started as a, a radio consulting company back in 2015-ish. And we were working with radio stations, as it were. And at the same time, I still had the voiceover business. And so I needed a, really a place, you know, a home and a company after I'd been working at places like Course and Standard Radio um, for, you know, up to 25 years. And so I needed really a place to call home. So that's really what I called home. And I said, well, I need to build something that looks like a radio station. I really missed being around microphones after being let go from radio. 
Yeah. And so we got this microphone and then we, you know, got, we figured out, we figured stuff out, like how we were going to record ourselves followed by how are we going to make audio and all the later stuff that we would add to, you know, what became, you know, sound off media and then the sound off podcast company, which grew, it grew out of that. And, and today we're the home of about 70 podcasts across North America. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's, it's kind of weird. Like podcast, it feels like podcasts have been around for a long time. If you're a person who has been digesting them for a long time, but it's, it's such a, a young medium. And I think it, what was it? $2 billion it made last year in revenue or something like that in, in Canada. Is that in Canada? No, it's, 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 um, that number comes from the U S it's 1 oh. billion this year. It's projected to be 2 billion, probably two years from now. Right. And how does that compare against radio? Radio is 17 billion in the U S so it's still got a little ways to go if we're to ever be on, you know, even footing with, with something like radio, but the fact that it is growing, you know, in, in chunks every year, uh, really speaks to, you know, where audio is going. Um, and radio has that uh, revenue as a as a medium in decline, right? Like if if everyone's car came with uh, their podcast settings pre-programmed, would would radio die? No, no, not at all. Radio radio is going to be just fine. Uh, radio is still very convenient. It's easy to use. It's people. It's very habit forming because it's always there. Um, although not necessarily there if you were trying to access 610 CKTB, the morning show this morning, because there was no morning show, oh. uh, which is something that I'm you know willing to talk about and address. But it's reliable. It's there, especially, you know, when you need it as on your way to work. I think people like it. They know, you know, they need to listen to the hockey game or something at, at a particular time. They've got their favorite morning show host. So it's kind of like a cup of coffee that you're always, you know, able to access at, you know, any given point in the, in the day. Uh, but it, it, that is changing though. What you're talking about, like inside the car, hmm. more and more automobiles, like every time a new car is purchased, that is sort of a little smaller turn of the knife there for, for radio in terms of really owning the car. And it's just about turned over now. You know, when you think of Apple CarPlay, it's really everybody, you know, when they go shopping for a car, they're like, uh, needs to have Apple CarPlay. Do you need an AM radio? No, you don't. Um, it's not something that people are necessarily <laughs> asking for. And there are a few cars that are being created without AM. Uh, well, I, you feel about AM, and I'm not, I don't mean this disrespectfully at all. Uh, it's just, it's just, I guess I'm one of those consumers that feels like this, where I feel about FM radio the way you feel about AM radio. And it has nothing to do with the people that like uh, hold the jobs as good DJs or morning hosts. I, I have been away from ads interrupting my content for so long that I just won't do it anymore. You know, I, I won't watch. It's like cable TV to me, you know? Yeah. So, so the 11 minute ad block or the 12 minutes of, of ads in an hour on, on an FM radio station is completely, it's outdated now. There's no other, there's no other medium that, that chokes you at that level. And that's what really makes radio feel uh, silly. I, there was somebody I had on my podcast. He's in Seattle and Seattle of course is a tech hub. The station is uh one Oh seven, seven, the end. Um, and <laughs> and he, gets, so he gets into an Uber and he'll travel for on a nine minute, you know, trip across town and the competing top 40 radio station played nothing but ads for the entire nine minutes of his trip. So yes, that in, in that sense, radio doesn't really work. Yeah. And it's, I don't know. It's, it, it, it impacts everything. Like I have like this 
really stubborn attitude towards radio because I, it was everything to me when I was a kid, like everything. Like I couldn't listen to hip hop uh, back in the late eighties, early nineties, unless I had a radio that could get uh, CKLN or whatever from Whitby, you know, like I needed it. And, and the radio was part of the culture in a sense, because you could do weird things with it. Something you could record off the radio and like, there, you know, there was a whole bunch of stuff that it made you do. And, um, but that those voices, you know, like the, the voices for ads and the traffic guy and stuff, like, if you ever heard a guy talk like that right in front of you, you would think that something was wrong with him. And, and for some reason, we consume it with our ears and, and it doesn't feel weird when we're doing it. And now it does. I don't know. It's just like, I feel like it's, it's, it sounds dated or something. I, I, I can't put my finger on it. Well, radio is, is really about talking at somebody. And podcasting and other forms of audio is really about talking to the listener. And it, it's funny because, you know, program directors for years would always, we'd always coach our talent into say, you know, really talk to the listener, really get into a one-on-one -on -one situation, really, you know, don't speak in terms of the entire audience, speak only in terms of the listener. But it was really podcasts that managed to capture it. And it was because in podcasting, you're going to speak in, in niche terms, whether it's going to be a, a podcast about Star Wars or it's going to be a podcast about broadcast. It's going to be a podcast about uh, basket weaving. You're really going to be able, you're, you know, you're talking to a smaller audience and you know you can speak in that one-on-one -on -one conversation. When, when you're doing radio and you're doing traffic for everybody, you really do sort of like you have to, to bellow it out. And that was one of the mistakes I made with my podcast when I first started. It was a podcast about broadcast. I wanted it to sound like radio. And so it was loud and we made a very compressed audio sound, uh, but then we changed it. And it really sort of, it comes down to the way it's consumed. Podcasting is a headphone experience, largely a couple of earbuds, headphones. You're really, I mean, 90, over 90% 90 of podcasts are consumed by people who are listening alone. It's, I mean, if you've ever tried, even in, in the best of relationships to, to agree, Hey, let's listen to a podcast. There's that's a that's that's tough that's a that's a 10 minute search right there for the podcast agree on yeah that's blockbuster video but 2022 version yeah You're just wandering yeah. around you know yeah so i mean, so radio is a little bit you know still like that a little bit over compressed and and really trying to bellow out a message and you know one of the things that i really wanted to do to really sort of prove that radio was really shooting itself in the foot and it took me a long time to do it and i don't think anybody cared but it was to take a bunch of radio stations and count the number of times that, that you listen to the radio and you are given an instruction or a job to do. Text this, be there, yeah. go and do this, go and do that. Authoritative. Yeah. Be, be the ninth caller. And I called those doggy commands. And, you know, if you were in a relationship with anyone and they gave you that many instructions to do, you, you, you'd get anxious and you, you check out. That is true. Mm -hmm. That is very true, Matt. <laughs> Well, well I mean, it, I wish radio people would wake up about the number of times that they're barking orders at their listeners and telling them to do something, even in the podcast space. It's obnoxious to say, oh, you know, rate and review the podcast, you know, giving, yeah. you know, giving. People I don't I don't I don't like saying like and share either. I don't like doing that stuff. I just like I figured people will do it. I don't know. I'm probably wrong metrics wise. And like, I'm sure there's math that proves me wrong, but it doesn't feel like me to do that. So I don't want to do it. If, well, if I had a radio show, I bet you I would do it though. But if you were going to do it, do it at the end of the show after you've offered all your value, right? You've given them a good show and people have gotten to the end. The fact that they got to the end of the show is, yeah. is great. Let's assume it's the same thing when you scroll down on a blog, right? You get three quarters of the way down and the little note pops up and says, Hey, you, you seem to be enjoying scrolling through this. Why don't yeah. you share it? <laughs> I, I have one sponsor that wants to sponsor the show, um, but we can't figure it out because it's a cannabis company. 
Have you read the rules? They're insane. Like you can't mention the cannabis that the cannabis company sells. So I was thinking, I, I was trying to come up with something clever. I was like, um, Bayberry Bud, we sell certain items that we can't talk about <laughs> or something like that, right? Just so they know. But I can't, you know, the the act, activating a sponsor is like all I want to do right now. Like, you know, it's a, the podcast is doing well. But I, the one sponsor that I have, it's impossible to actually do it. <laughs> Where he's going to be like, yes, that sounds like a great idea because you don't even mention his products, you know? Well, it's time to get the lawyers involved because if this were marked as an explicit um, uh, podcast with, the, you know, with the E on it and, you know, that's over 18. And so the assumption is that you have to be over 18 to listen to it. And so doesn't oh, that I certainly mean, hope all my audience is over 18. I wouldn't want to. Yeah. But wouldn't that open it, open it up and make it sort of accessible for, for a cannabis company? No, it's, the market? Uh, it's, 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 it doesn't matter what age. It's not about kids. It's just about advertising to weed companies. Right. So here, here's something that's even crazier now. And this gets into a little bit of the rights. Is it, this is a global show. So what laws are you breaking in the U.S. by having that ad run on the show? Right. Or in another, in another country? Philippines. It could, exactly. it could go either way. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah I exactly. don't know. Exactly. And you, you being the host, and here's something else that's a little bit cuckoo and crazy, is that you know, what if you go to you know, a foreign country where cannabis is illegal and they open up your phone and they find you do this podcast and it involves cannabis and uh, time for a search. Oh, wow. Yeah, I guess they could do that. Well, they would just do that to everyone that came out of like Portland. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. I, I don't dwell on podcast rankings, but I look at them like once a week. I just want to see what my weekly thing is sometimes. And then I, I don't think about it. But then I, I want to look at all the people that were uh, that were also on the list on like the top 100 in my category or whatever. And I just want to see what shows they were. And I, I'm curious if you've ever thought of what would those podcast rankings you think look like if all the stuff that's actually a TV show that they just put on the podcast network wasn't there. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it feels like TV and radio sometimes double dip because podcasting is such a it lends itself. It's such a forgiving format. That you can have a TV show, make a couple slight edits, or a radio show, make a couple slight edits, and then upload it as a podcast. Well, that's what those traditional broadcasters still have. They've got the big megaphone. They've got the the power to go out and promote and to remind people. That's what radio does really, really well, is that they're the best at promoting things. You know it's coming up at 8. Remember, I was talking about those doggy commands. But you know what? You know, join us at 8.15 for something. They're setting a time and creating an appointment for you to listen. Uh, and to be a part of something and say, oh, by the way, check out the podcast as well. Right. So now they're reminding people that there's a podcast. Really, most any podcast marketing is really about sampling. So I want to credit Dan Meisner over at Pacific Content, who had, you know, 14 excellent points about podcasting that he, that he just put out. And I'm, I'll be retweeting it after we get off this conversation. But, you know, what is podcast marketing? It's really about an invitation to sample something. And radio has that frequency where you can mention it a number of times. Um, but you know, just zipping over very quickly to, to the charts and listen, charts are wonderful. Everyone loves charts. Radio is, is built on charts as well. You know, we had the, we had the AT top 40. We love opening up billboard magazine. We love seeing that stuff and it makes things very easy to what people like. It gives us a good feeling about our favorites being towards the top. And you know, if you're a podcast, it's great when, when you're at the top as well. But I think the way that those numbers are compiled, I think people need to understand that, that they're a little bit limiting in that. You know, you look at the Apple podcast chart, that's only Apple. 
Well, what if your show is doing well on Spotify? Because a lot of people use Spotify to listen to your show. That doesn't necessarily go into the podcast charts. Hmm. And so rankers and charts are a little bit, it depends really on who participates in it. And it also really depends on, on you know, who's got the tools. So for instance, my podcast has spent time quite often at number one in Nigeria. What? Well, why, yeah. Why am I so popular in Nigeria? <laughs> well, it turns out people in Nigeria... Apple only has a 15% penetration of the market when it comes to iPhones. And most of those people who have those phones work in radio. Ta-da. Well done, sir. Yeah. <laughs> that was a seed planted many moons ago, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, um, okay. I, 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 I'm not going to belabor any of these points. I, I just think that the content uh, suffers on radio because it's built around ads. And and podcasting, you don't have to really worry like that. And and that's the last I'll tell you about it because I, I, I wasn't actually in the industry. I would probably really have nostalgia for the industry if I was in it, but I'm just looking at it from outside. One thing I, I did learn, though, uh, is that uh, not even being in the radio industry, but working with Dean, is that the difference, the main difference, uh, there's a bunch of them, but this is kind of the main one, between uh, radio DJs and podcast producers or creators is that radio people are super competitive and podcasting people seem more like a community willing to share, trade guests, and be nice to each other. Um, is, first of all, is that accurate? And second of all, why is it like that? Like, what, What's special about it that makes it like that? I think the, the, the rising tide floats all boats really makes sense because it's a, it's a big planet out there. I mean, most of the content that you put out today and that I put out today are going to exist out you know, everywhere on this big planet. When you're in radio, there's only X amount of of spots on the dial um, that people can listen to. If you're not listening to one, you're listening to the other. I mean, it's a very antiquated way of, of radio to be thinking. Um, I think you did mention a little bit about radio content being what it is today. I think a lot of that, it's not necessarily the ads, but it is the ads, but it's also the, their metric system, which is a, a portable people meter. So it's really not what you hear and, and not what you're well, listening sorry. to. I, I, maybe, maybe I'm ignorant. What, what is what is a portable people meter? Yeah, so you remember, like it, it's like a pager, and it will sit on on your belt, and it it picks up like what frequencies and radio you come into contact with, and that's how they compile the radio ratings. Wow. So it's not so if you go to the dentist's office and the dentist has on let's say CHFI, that's going to be a little bit of a change. So you instead of listening to Q107 today, you're now listening to CHFI, and that's going to tip the ratings in a funny direction. It's not, listen, data and measurement, it's not, that doesn't help radio. It really is just preventing people. I mean, the goal in radio is let's not let them tune out. Let's just play something ultra familiar. Let's keep it moving. Let's keep your bit short. We don't want to, you know, you know, they know where the tune out parts are. Generally it's jock talk. And, yeah. and, and so, so that's really sort of caused, uh, I think that that sort of led to radio fighting amongst itself, you know, sort of circling the drain, trying to find out you know, grab a few listeners from here and there when they really should be creating content that's going to pull people in from, from just about anywhere. Yeah, no, that's totally fair. Um, and, you know, like I remember listening to like uh, the music history or the history of music or whatever. That was a decent show. But um, you're right. It, it, the morning people. But after that, we, I never really listened to the radio at night except here and there because, um, you know, there was a lot of ads and the same four songs. Right. Like and that started like in the 90s, at least from what I remember. You know? Yeah, yeah, but you, you and I both have podcasts, but there's no reason why we we're in competition because this is on demand. Podcasting is on demand, so if you want to know why podcasters don't fight, you know, and, and we'll try to clobber each other or or hold that sort of grudge that radio people have them versus us, and you know, mm. it, it's because your your neighbor 
in podcasting, the person who's doing a like-minded podcast like you, they're actually your best friend. So when they finish my podcast, oh, you liked listening to this podcast. Maybe you'd like to listen to another podcast about broadcast. So yeah. Apple will push you into another one, right? So, I mean, it's just a way, another way. I mean, Netflix does this all the time. You just finished watching Orange is the New Black. Maybe you'd like to watch Sopranos. Yeah. I, yeah, it's weird. That That is sort of like the the knife that cuts at both edges algorithms. Because, I, I, you know, I was writing, I, I started a piece yesterday that I'll probably get back to next week because it's a confusing topic, which is just algorithms. Is it is it their existence uh, period? Because they impact things in such a negative way on purpose. It's directed like that. Or is it just that they're directed like that by programmers, like the whole thing about making people fight and, you know, giving you certain content and a lot of it is sponsored. Like that ruins it for me. Like, you know, I, I, I'm i the guy that goes to Twitter. It's all the latest tweets. I never make my homepage like what's in the news ever because I don't feel like I'm getting anything. You know, well, I mean, the, the the goal of most of these places, whether it's Spotify or Apple or, or Netflix is, you know, can they keep you listening longer? Right. They don't want you to leave. So if you've just finished listening to a to a podcast, you know, like mine, They're, they want to try to tempt you in with another one that's about the same subject matter. And so it's within their interest to try to, you know, create an algorithm that's going to keep you uh, listening to stuff. And that's why, you know, Spotify knows what you follow and like, and they want to keep feeding you the music that's going to keep you on their platform. They don't want you leaving and going to Apple. They don't want you going and, and doing something else. And my favorite trivia question of all time, and I'm going to give it to you right now. Okay. What is what is Netflix's biggest competition? Netflix. Is that right? What is Netflix's biggest competition? I would say Netflix. I'm just saying yeah. they're their own worst enemy, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's actually sleep. Oh, right. right? Oh, right. So, okay. Yeah. So the minute you stop sleeping and consuming their product, that's why they're always sort of checking to see if you're still awake and 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 you know, on to on to maybe sleep time. But Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. Was there ever another medium that um, has ever existed except uh, Christian Slater's and pump up the volume where uh, people like you and I could just wake up one day and just utilize it? Has that ever happened? Like radio? No, I don't feel like that's ever happening except when you were able to hijack a radio signal like many moons ago. Do you know what I'm uh, saying? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I mean, I'm from Montreal where, um, you know, I grew up listening on Shom FM where the FLQ went and, and took over Shom FM for an afternoon, mm -hmm. came in, they wanted their mandate read on the radio. Um, I think they had their guns and, you know, and their joints and whatnot and found the records and said, let's play some Zeppelin. And the, the DJ at the time, you know, read, read the manifesto and everything was great and cool and super, super awesome. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, I think back to pump up the volume. I think of the and, and the um, the movie eludes me, but Jim Carrey was in the movie where he was on television all the time. They were documenting documenting him. Uh, but no, oh, the Truman, Truman Show. Thank you. Yes, yeah. um, but you know, I, I think we sort of hit it around. I mean, I don't know when we really started streaming. I think with with YouTube and the advent of that, and then you know, discovering software products like OBS that that could you know create a YouTube stream and and you know put it out there. That you know, you I could determine you know rather than trying to go and join a radio station, I could probably just broadcast every day you know, from my basement for 15 minutes, take one quarter hour and start knocking them down one, one quarter hour at a time. Yeah. That that's kind of what I think is unique about it. I feel like that's the pocket where the good things happen because you know, like how many radio DJs have you met that have, you know, world arise at management because they need to go in this direction and it impacts their creative ability, right? Like not answering to anybody for, for guys like me anyways, and whatever, like I used to be a little bit of a tyrant, right? Like, and now, you know, I, I want to, make this my living you know it, it, it's like finally this so this is the staging ground where i get to like make decisions and to see if my decisions work and I, I can't tell you how amazing that is for a guy who um you know spent his life not holding jobs you know like it's it's so uh, it, it's just so accommodating it's like if you can do this it's almost like uh anytime you want you can go and try out for an nba team or something like that you know what i mean like walk-ons walk-ons welcome this is a walk-on medium you know and here we are trying to make it work and and it's i'm so excited because even though it's sort of been around for a long time that's a little bit of fool's gold because a lot of those shows were just tv shows or radio shows that they just put as a podcast um but where do you see it going in 10 years because i i kind of feel like a renaissance like we're either in it or about to embark on it or something like a lot of good content that like it will dwarf the numbers that we've seen over the last decade uh, is, is on its way. I just yeah. wondered what your thoughts were on that. Well, we're in, we're in it now. And so there's a lot of content creators at the BBC or, or at the CBC or at NPR in the States um, who are finding ways to take, take it home. I mean, they've been doing podcasts for a, a few years, which may get repurposed on a radio or vice versa, but you can do all this on your own. So they're negotiating their way out of, of radio and and doing it themselves and r- radio's problem is this they haven't acknowledged the value today of of the personality we'll call them content creators where we can kind of call them personalities or you know in, in, way back when you know it was djs and jocks but when people go to listen to the radio today they want to listen to you know personalities first and that's very difficult for for people who are running FM radio stations and 14 in a row every hour, you know, on the hour with two minutes of commercials or whatever it is that you, you know, whatever it is that works out for, for the radio station, you know, because content creators, they now need to create content. You also have to do it beyond the transmitter. So that content needs to be, you know, pushed out maybe onto social media or now it's TikTok or now it's Reels. And maybe there's a podcast that, that comes from it. The thing that radio is doing, they they have so many pieces of content that they put out every day that only gets used once. And I think that's where they really need to 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 change their thinking about the whole thing. And I think they're chained by the the portable people meter and, and that data that they're that they're trying to do. And as well, you know, when there's less and less money coming in, you're trying to get people to do more and more things across more and more stations. And so you wind up doing a whole lot of extra something that really amounts to nothing. Yeah, um, I feel like I'm an idealist when I when I look at that industry because 
you know, I, I, I'm wondering why they're spending time milking something that they know will is out of date. Um, and they're just like trying to squeeze as much capitalism as they can out of it. And maybe they're doing this and I don't know. Are, are they also simultaneously uh, or should they be focusing on how to take that new medium to another level? Like, like, cause I don't think they are. I, I, I think the traditional media gets way too much, um, credit for having great podcast content. I was looking at when I was trying to find, uh, articles for our conversation you know i was looking at these uh rankings by the financial post or something like that but i don't know if it's not intentional or not but every single podcast was owned by a big media company or the cbc or something like that and i was like you know do they deliberately exclude independent podcasts from that list because there's because canada land was up there but it was the only one that that wasn't like a big giant media company it felt like anyways you know it was it was weird. Yeah. And, you know, I, I feel like they're just kind of like, I don't want to look over there. <laughs> I, I don't I don't want to notice the like renaissance of independent creators because they're not ours. I, I don't know. It's weird. So the lead, the leaders in in this space are CBC, NPR, uh, BBC does a great job. I think public radio has very much been built uh, for podcasts. They they're leaders. They've they've done it really well. I mean, a lot of podcasts today sound like public radio if, if you apparently do it right, as if there's like a rule book or anything like that. But you know, the best podcasts do sound like a form of of public radio, and they've got a little bit that they can promote on on it. I mean, NPR makes most of their money now through podcasting. Now, of course, it's public radio, and the rest of it's sort of pledge drives and other uh, stuff that happens. That's still surprising, though. That's yeah, but I mean, they're, they're, they were the ones who I think I think this American Life sort of came out of public radio and and serial and stations like WNYC. I mean, the, what's the what's the thing that Valerie Geller, who's who's the leading consultant, you know, for radio, and now she's doing creative and podcasting as well. What does she always say? She says, "What do people want? People want to be told a story." Well, right. yeah, podcasting right. is stories. You know, public radio is, is stories, and the best bits that you know were done on the radio involved a story yeah uh, of some sort and it's it's the first thing we we want to hear it's the first thing we, we want when we're a child daddy mommy tell me a story i and think still love that today i i think it's one of those mediums that that you know on the telling the story kind of vibe that politicians should really start to take a look at like i you know i don't uh i'm not much of a listener anymore but it's not for any political reason or anything but i, I when i saw uh bernie sanders on joe rogan I learned more about Bernie Sanders in that interview than I did in any other interview I've ever seen or speech because for like three hours, he answered a question questions one-on-one -on -one and it was more like a conversation and podcast is, has got traditional media by the balls. I think because of that, because you know, I, I want to watch next election. I would rather watch a two hour interview with all the leaders than I would want to watch the debate, but you don't learn anything from the debate. You know, you learn, you learn how good the media company was that taught him how to spin. No, yeah, long form um, um, podcasting, like long form audio on YouTube and, you know, in, in podcast, I think people who want to go and find out more and have the time to do it, that's going to be great. But for those who are still interested in, you know, Harry Styles and just getting the weather in 12 seconds or whatever, those people are going <laughs> to exist as well, because we're talking about, you know, short attention spans. So maybe you're right, the world will be divided into into the people with longer attention spans and, and than the ones who have the shorter. But to, to radio and, and innovation, and I do feel for, you know, people in radio who, you know, they're dealing with less and less money. And how do we innovate? I don't think anybody is in charge of innovating the product in Canada and even North America. So when I started my podcast in 2016, I went to a conference called the Conclave in Minneapolis. 
And the question went up and it was like, what's what is name something your station has done in the last six months that is innovative. And these are owners on stage and VPs and nobody said anything. Okay, 12 months, we'll change it. And again, no one said anything. And even when I went to Canadian Music Week a few weeks ago, James Cridland, who was, uh, I think, giving a keynote, um, showed a program that I had show- that I had turned James on to in, in, back in 2019 uh, called The Script. And it has now innovated itself into where you can go and highlight the words of a script. You can change the words and it will edit. And then it will even use AI to put your voice in. And, but the, it wasn't, you know, it was the, it was the oohs and ahs in the room that alarmed me. And I thought, nobody knows what this is. And we're three years in and you work in audio. Is anybody in charge of innovation in Canadian radio? And I don't think any of these companies have anybody who is in charge of innovation. And this was followed up by a discussion um, by a man who works at Bauer Media. And he's based out of, I want to say, Denmark. And they have subscription radio. Subscription radio. Now, they're off the AM, the FM. I think they're on DAB and all sorts of other technological advances. But, you know, to the point where if a song comes on, you don't like it, you can hit the skip button. And from that, you can get, you know, you can draw sort of information about whether or not people like or don't like the song. But now you've got your research taken care of. And, you know, here we are in North America going, huh, what do we do? Well, there's they're milking it. It's so funny. They won't invest in the uh, part of their business that they're milking (laughs) because, you know what I mean? Like, and maybe that's the right call. I don't know. I'm not a businessman, clearly. But, um, you know, maybe it's like, okay, well, we're projected projected to make X amount of profits. Um, This is not going to be revamped um, to fit our model. So we're just going to milk it. But I mean, like, you know, I can't remember which city it was in Europe that was using a, like, you know how we uh, put, brand names on buildings now like they're doing that with outlets now or you know or title sponsors for shows is more significant there because uh wherever this i think it was finland they they hate commercials so much that they needed to build a model around the customer preference of not ever wanting to listen to a commercial so it's all title sponsors it's either title sponsor for the show or title sponsor for the network or whatever and you know yeah you're right we, we, our innovation needs to be pointed towards podcasting doesn't it I think I think you can look to podcasts. You can look to the way that mid rolls have been very successful in podcasting. I think you can look to, you know, title sponsorship. I mean, radio was one of the first to do title sponsorship uh, a while ago. And and speaking of innovation, I mean, I know it's been seven years since they started it, but again, the station one hundred seven seven the end in Seattle. They tried with two minute stop sets, you know, for for the longest time because I think they saw people, you know, with a short attention span. So you know, you play two minutes of commercials and then you're right back at the music and then just sell those ads you know at a, at a higher rate so i mean i gave a lot of thought over the weekend um to to you know to our conversation that we're having here today but i want to mention another radio consultant and um she's now teaching media by the way um in massachusetts but donna halper is a name that uh, a lot of rush fans would know she was at wmms in cleveland in 1974 when she first put rush over the airwaves she was the music director and she added it to the playlist and she put in her blog last week she she really was sad to see the demise of am radio and then sort of posed the question what would you do with an am radio station if you had it today and i said well i'd love to run one and and i'll put up the am signal but i i, I want to stream everything i want to be able to make sure it's accessible on smart speakers I want to make sure that, you know, it's got good social media presence. And once I've done all this, 
I'm going to look at my books after maybe three years when we built an audience at this, you know, fictional radio station that's broadcasting at 1370 in whatever city. And I'm going to look at it and go, it's expensive to keep that AM transmitter going. And I'm only getting X amount of listeners. It's expensive to run. And I think we're getting to a point where we're finding that it's very expensive to, to run, um, you know, terrestrial radio stations, you know, with transmitter and all the other stuff that is getting cheaper and cheaper for what you and I are doing right now, which is, you know, putting it out over the internet. Yeah. Um, listen, I, I feel like podcasting uh, is the biggest tribute to radio ever because a lot of times when I'm, when I, I was, I was writing something the other day, I just was writing notes actually. And, and I thought of the idea of uh, when radio started and families gathered around to listen to stories that sounds like podcasting to me, you know, that, that, that's what it sounds. So it's almost like a, it harkens back to when radio was like finding itself and, and, you know, and the way it progressed, it progressed from like, this would be what the twenties and thirties where it would be, you know, uh, like theater, basically like radio theater. Um, and then it progressed the way it progressed. And um, then the eighties shot on everything. And then the nineties tried to bring it back. Um, but no, but, but now podcasting seems to be going through that same life cycle. And how do we stop it from evolving in a way that focuses more, less on the creative? Uh, well, I don't, the only thing that's different about the podcasting is the shared experience part. Cause you talk about people gathering around, you know, the fire or gathering around, you know, in the living room to watch things. And I think that's where our world is gone. We just don't have the shared experiences that we once had, which is why I think Michael Jackson will be the most famous person of all time ever, forever and ever. Because back in the 80s, you know, 40 million copies or 50 million copies of Thriller that, 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 that got sold. I think everybody knew the songs. Everybody knew, you know, concerts. Those are shared experiences as well. But we have fewer and fewer of them outside of the Super Bowl, the Oscars, uh, you know, the Odd Awards show. And even that, we're seeing, you know, ratings decline uh, in that sense. And, and, you know, podcasting being on demand, you can pick it up at any time. And sometimes, you know, does... Does it take off, you know, years after the fact that it's been released or is it all going to take off this week? And again, so it's not necessarily a shared experience. If you have to mention that there's a spoiler involved, that is not a shared experience. So, <laughs> you know, it, right. even like our favorite shows on Netflix or, or, you know, when you watch Orange is New Black and people are like, don't tell me what's happening. I haven't watched it yet. That's yeah. You know, that's I it's avoid not- social media when I, I, I used to get really pissed off at uh, what show is it? I think it was Boardwalk. No, it was Dexter, Boardwalk Empire, one of those shows. I would just, I would avoid, if, I, I felt like I did in the early 90s when I was a Nick fan and I would avoid all media to make sure. And that's when I realized that you only get the Nick score like twice in the entire country. <laughs> so they didn't start repeating TSN shows then. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. The, uh, anyways, I, I, I like being part of it. I, I've never really been a part of an industry that's been sort of, well, I've never been a part of an industry <laughs> you know what I mean so this is like this is all new and uh and having guys like yourself um you know guide me through it like you you know we I've called you and been like listen I'm having this kind of problem or I have this kind of goal like what what do I do and uh you know and and you know there's people I want to ask you actually because that it pertains to this is it because is there a certain thing to be said for people who are kind of innovating in in this kind of industry who have their legs straddled over a pre and post internet. So they, they're, I feel like people are borrowing from before there was an internet ideas that, that could be implemented before there was an internet and then applying it 
to this medium, to this concept. I don't know if I'm explaining that right, but the but to be able to see the world uh, in both times, I think is a beneficial uh, characteristic of an innovator in the digital space. And I'm just wondering why you thought of that. I think it's because a lot of this comes down to when you're building something, it comes down to marketing and, and marketability. And also, you know, using tools that are age old, that, you know, may have been used a long time ago. So somebody asked me today, well, how should we market this? And, you know, we came up with an idea of, well, if you had a podcast about this subject matter, why are you not going down with a bunch of flyers and telling people, you know, to listen to this podcast with a QR code on it so that they can connect to it right away. So if you got a podcast about widgets, you should be at the widgets convention. That just <laughs> makes sense. And guess what? You know, handing out flyers or, or cards, that's that's old school. That's, you know, you don't have to go and do that on social media uh, necessarily. I mean, put, you got to go put yourself in the, in the middle of the event in, in order to you know, be a part of it. I mean, there's still a visibility thing, you know, when it comes to podcasting. Yes, we can sit in our basements and yes, we can do social media and, and we can create reels and TikToks and all sorts of things. But, you know, it, your show will really take off the minute that you can go get in front of people and, you know, do the old fashioned marketing one on one meeting people, you know, maybe a card. I mean, when I started my podcast about broadcast, I said, oh, I'm going to a convention and there's going to be radio people there. Well, I had I made sure that I gave everybody a card. Hey, on your way home on the airplane, be sure to listen to the podcast. Yeah. And, and a lot of people did. And then they wind up sticking with it. And you're really trying to create habits. And again, this is what radio has done well and television especially has done well. And that's, hey, you know, what time is Dallas on and the Dukes of Hazard? Well, the Dukes of Hazard was on at eight and Dallas was on at nine. And then the next night was Saturday and it was like Love Boat at eight and Fantasy Island at nine. And <laughs> that's you know, true. those are media habits. Yeah. Right? So when you're, you know, in a, when you're releasing your podcast consistently and it goes out at the same time every week and people are there to download it, that's a media habit that is, that is long before the internet. Yeah, no, I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I remember people used to schedule their lives around the TV guide. You know, I remember the Bill Cosby, sh uh, the Cosby show and like family ties. That was one night. And then later on, it was like friends and Seinfeld or whatever it was. And um, there were people who would get anxious if they missed one of them. It was really weird. And there's also a big difference. If you have the DVD of like, say, Die Hard or something like that, that's been on your shelf for like three years and you never watched it. But then you're flipping around channels and you see that it's on on a network. For some reason, you would you kind of want to watch it. And maybe that's also that shared experience element because you know other people are doing it too. I don't know. But it's a weird phenomenon. And I know a lot of people that have experienced it. Yeah, I think some people like the breaks too. I mean, you know, having commercials in the middle of your programming is, I mean, I found it weird when I went to, you know, Europe and they didn't have, you know, I was watching Seinfeld and they didn't have a, a commercial. So it was like 22 minutes. They actually did a study. And they found out that the people who had the commercial breaks in the U.S. retained the show better than the people who watched the 22 straight minutes. Yeah, because they're they're Pavlovian. That's right. <laughs> they're they're good at uh, you know. When you're a zombie, you still take shit in, but it has to be jingly and light. I think, right? Yeah, and, and digestible bites. Yeah, that's right. Um, listen, uh, I I love having you on because I learn a lot. Um, I, it's funny because I send you emails and I'm like let's talk about how this is that like basically I, I I thought after I sent you an email earlier on this week that am, am I dissing an industry that he likes or, or am I onto something or is this just like an opinion because uh, I think I'm guilty of that I think I'm guilty of um, calling radio and stuff archaic 
so that I can feel better about our industry. And I need to, I probably need to stop doing that because that's probably not doing anyone any good. Nah, uh, I'll know? tell you, I'll tell you why radio is, is, is your, um, is your alcoholic uncle and, and oh, you great. love him. You're, you love him, but he keeps doing the wrong thing over and over again. You know, he yeah. forgets, forgets his car payment. Um, he doesn't show up for work. He needs a new job. Uh, that's kind of the state of radio these days, uh, you know, uncle buck. Um, yeah. Uncle buck got something done in the end though. Right. But yeah, there's a little bit of an uncle buck feel to, uh, to it. And the car is a little bit rickety and makes an explosion <laughs> and, um, hasn't upgraded and hasn't figured out his relationships, you know, with Shanice and whatnot. I think that's a great analogy. Yeah. It was an accidental one in a way, but I'll take it. Um, yeah. Matt Condal, it was good having you on. I'll have you on again soon and keep doing good work, buddy. I'll probably call you next week with some crisis and you'll be like, that's not a crisis. There's no crisis. Everything is fine. We're just going to pivot a little bit. Woo. Awesome. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, man. Have a good one. Matt Condal. Um, yeah, he, uh, he's kind of one of the, uh, I guess you call him a mentor. I don't know. I don't, using, I don't like using words like mentor and sensei because it makes me feel submissive i don't like that feeling um anyways the yeah the the to have a guy like that being able to sort of shepherd you through this wilderness is uh it's so valuable i really lucked out now that i'm thinking about it about my podcast journey with a guy like matt condo who, who you know he is a jet he, he's a jedi wizard he'll in, will invent the new one called the jedi wizard and you know learning about the things that you got to learn in order to have a decent enough podcast um, behind the scenes, you know, the, the way that you flush it out to different portals and all that. <clears throat> He's awesome for that. He's also very realistic and down to earth about what success is and isn't. And I love that. And then Dean Blundell is basically, you know, Oh, you've never done broadcasting before. Here's 150 episodes with Dean Blundell. So this has been like, I got thrown into the sharks and you know, they carried me to shore and got me high. Right. So, um, it's a it's a it's a great kind of uh team to sort of be around to like to be humble and learn and humility for the first time in my life too um before podcasting i was just getting fired left right and center <laughs> so um i always had something to say and uh yeah so anyways so this week on blackballed um i don't know the number right now of how many it's going to be but we're going to talk to probably two or three new ex-members of the plymouth brethren christian church so what's happening right now is ever since the Cheryl Hope interview, uh, people have been coming out of the woodwork, ex-brethren members mostly, um, talking about their experiences within the cult. Uh, some of it uh, deals with abuse. Some of it deals with money laundering and things like that. So are uh, allegedly. Um, but we're going to talk to these people. Uh, one of them is the granddaughter of Symington, the last name is, and he's considered to be like, you know, one of the holiest people ever, I guess you would say, uh, in the Plymouth Brethren. So uh, she'll have a, like anyone that is in the cult will know who she is, basically. She's like the Princess Di of the cult, I guess, or something. Um, and she's she has a lot of really interesting uh, things to say. We're also going to get, we're going to show documents for the first time that we think detail uh it has a list of kids on it uh and cheryl's on that list as well and the the way that everything is worded it's an internal cult document i guess you would call it and the way that it's worded it seems like that list of children that they have there which is a list of people that were either excommunicated uh or left on their own they were all around the same age 
uh, they were all, you know, let's just put it this way. It, 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 it could be interpreted by some as a list of basically abused children. Uh, we're going to find out. And I don't, and that is not me trying to be tabloidian about it, but if you looked at it, we, everyone that's looked at this document has felt the same thing independently. Cause when you read it, it's about uh, it's detailing the priestly visits to these teenagers or young girls and boys houses and then it talks about what they talked during the priestly visit and the priestly visit was like basically when people come over and just lecture you to death uh, about not following the doctrine of the cult and you know so when you read this document and it's very authoritative it uses language that only the brethren uses to describe certain things and then you see this list and you know that Cheryl's name is on it and you're looking at the last names of the other people and you're just like oh my god is that what I think it is and so we're going to try to figure a lot of this stuff out um, and hopefully uh, we'll be able to announce uh, a protest shortly uh, sometime in the next coming weeks. Um, we are, you know, I'll, I'll save that announcement. I'll have to tell you now. Um, we're we're going to try to set up a, we'll, we'll put it like this, a protest at one of the uh, Plymouth Brethren churches uh, in Canada. I'll put it like that. Um, but that is something that Cheryl is... Uh, is spearheading she's so brave guys like i don't know if you have had a chance to watch that podcast but if you don't it's pinned to the top of my twitter uh my twitter's right there and uh you should go check it out because um the avalanche of people just all the things that have happened since that podcast is is mind-blowing uh the the alleged perpetrator has a ankle tracker on him it was kicked to the high crimes division in, in regina uh you know, so he's, it looks like an investigation is starting. Other people are filing police reports. You know, other people are coming up with their abuse stories for about other people. A lot of ex-brethrens are contacting myself and Richard Marsh uh, to talk about their experiences. And I'm just going to keep letting them come and tell their stories. Uh, you know, we're doing the same due diligence that we, we've done in the past. We're actually doing more of it now because our lawyer's involved. And we want to make sure that we tell the story right. And we, uh, you know, we want to... We want to challenge the mainstream media and the political class in this country um, to talk about these things, uh, talk about this cult. And, uh, you know, everyone knows that if it was an Islamist sect of Wahhabism, um, of course, people would <laughs> check them out. But this is uh, Jesus fear and folk. So I guess it's OK. Anyways, uh, we'll have Carbon Drever on Thursday and uh, we'll make other announcements for our guests later on today or, or tonight or tomorrow morning. As usual, thank you. Uh, thanks to Matt Kundal for joining us today, and we'll see you next time on Black Ball. Hi, I'm Mercedes Nickel, four-time Winter Olympian and host of Dropping In, a podcast with Mercedes. This is a podcast where I interview a bunch of different people. I get the good, the bad, and the ugly, as well as I share my stories along the way. Now you can drop in at droppingin.com or subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. I'll see you soon. 
I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.